you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. And become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. The darkness has found you. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 4. I'm your host, Jason Hill, and I'm thrilled you could join me tonight. Guess what? I stumbled on a little story that I'd like to share with all of you, and I'm not sure that you'll want to dive into this one alone. So, call a friend over, sit in your circle of salt, and try to ignore the shadows flitting under the basement door. The door's locked, right? Oh. Well, then you have nothing to worry about, right? You're listening to the standard edition of this program, 
If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and all our other episodes, as well as hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today to get instant access from our friends at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Thank you for your support. Now, allow me to escort you to a place where the sun dies, and nightmares come to life, where those who seek the darkness need look no further. Welcome, listener, to the Horror Hill. You haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you. And now, without further ado, from author William Grabowski, I give you Someday I Will Find It. What shall I love, if not the enigma? Giorgio de Chirico. One. The yellowed scrap might once have been printer paper, the cheap kind you pay five dollars for in some overly bright big-box palace of soulless depravity. I halted, stooped, and plucked it from the ground. Where is this? Three words scrawled in thickly black ink, as if from some old fountain pen. I squinted in the dim light but could not determine whether the message had been lost hours or years ago. Holding it up to my nose, I sniffed, grimaced, and a briny reek akin to battery acid, or something dead and white glaring from a jar of cloudy formaldehyde. Bad enough, my hand still trembled from the medication, though I'd been off it for a month. Now this, whatever it was, Already the crazed wheels of obsession whirled in my mind. Don't sink, I told myself. Let it go. Swallowing hard, I crumpled the scrap and fed it to the wind. Some bitter residue soured my tongue, but I ignored it. Probably another of Dr. Wagner's phantoms. An echo of last year's gray vacation in room 310 beneath the starling scratched eaves. I wondered whether I could ever forgive myself for what I'd done to Emily. The goddamned wind shocked a willow looming over the path, scoured my face with ice pellets. Something skittered past my boot, wedged itself between a frosty twig and a stone. I crouched to retrieve it until I realized the crumpled message had followed me, its inky question mark isolated by a crease. Don't sink. Let it go. Wagner's mantra, or chant, against all melancholy, anguish, and black spiders of paranoia. You're much too hard on yourself, he told me, grating buoyancy. Can't you see that? You're out of the clinic, but still tormenting yourself for something we both know never happened. Oh, yes, it did. I was there. Saw her terror. Her pretty face in that lightless place. Don't sink, I yelled. Fuck. I hope no one heard that. Get me sent back to the house of despair. I would not cry either. Her name surged through me. Cold, creeping horror 
as if the trees had eyes. Quickening my step helped silence the urge to rhyme, face, place, space, and I headed for Drake's neon Heineken sign glowing green through branches clawing empty air. My boot crunched ice and slid left. I toppled, thrusting out a hand to break the fall. The impact sledgehammered my shoulder, palm grinding jagged ice and leaves like parchment. After a few seconds, I sat straight, breath gushing white into the gloom. Nothing broken. Lucky break, I guess. Ha fucking ha. I peeled a leaf from my palm and saw I held another paper scrap. Night's gusty invasion webbed the thing in shifting shadow. More snow on the way. Hands stinging. I stood and moved on. Finally, the path opened onto the sidewalk. Pausing, I brushed pine needles and dirty snow from my jeans and jacket, lumbered toward a streetlight arching over the bus stop. I must have looked like some tweaking twit trying to decipher a grocery list. You deserve it. I tossed the message and it drifted along the sidewalk. Nothing. It was nothing. Time for a drink. For Emily. Two. A hushed room, institutional bed, her black hair adorned with fish bones stolen from dinner. Green buttons threaded there too, so when the others come looking, looking for things in the night, they'll recognize her. White as the moon, delicate hand clutching spikes swipe from the maintenance room, one for each limb. Jasmine aura, a haunt of misery. Rain ticking the window. Each peck, a dead star, spat from oblivion. Her awful cry, hearing the magnitude of her exile. Lavender lips whispering, how did this happen? How? Take me back. How? 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 She doesn't know where she is, Doctor. Why don't you believe that? You're a very sick man. These sessions aren't helping the obsessive behavior. Don't sink. Let it go, torturing yourself. Let it go. You deserve better. No. No. She ran out of her room. She's in the attic. Right now? Talk to her. Look. Enough. Just go back to your room. Try to sleep. Three. Drake's was a letdown, but it beat the piss out of trudging through cold darkness back to the apartment. There. A relentless, subsonic drone stalked me like some invisible machine. Ever since. Well, worse, every time I ran water, its hissing rush carried Emily's voice. When I wanted to hear Eclectopia or World Cafe on the radio, I must be vigilant as hell to squelch any intruding static. For white noise, too, is a carrier. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs>
The stuff I heard whispered. Things in the night keep looking. Things. My luminous music and trees, black snow, and bones of home. That's what it sounds like to me. As if something's tapping Emily's dreams. Or nightmares. I write down everything I hear. It's real. Fuck what Dr. Wagner says. It's real. As real as my love for Emily. She'll start saying the right things and tell me our love is infinite. I just know it. As soon as I find the proper frequency or some other way to communicate. She has that kind of mind. Churning with energy. A sender. I learned a lot at Duke, working with Hansen. When I find out where Wagner, former CIA mind control monster, and his spooky pals and defense intelligence stashed her, I will rain unholy hell onto them. A real eco-freak, that Wagner. When I was locked up in the house of despair at the Willow Acres while you stalk raving sing types, I boosted someone's laptop from the employee's lounge and spent all of ten minutes finding the shit on Herr Wagner. Youngest German genius, slicing brains and freezing alive old and young alike in ye old Dachau Inn. Pushing ninety now and barely a limp. Those merciless gray eyes. I wonder how long it took CIA linguists to neutralize the accent. Not drunk enough. Ever since the heavy meds, my alcohol tolerance is amazing. Know what that's worth? I'm tired of catching weird looks from a few people at the bar. I ended up in my place after 1am. Weepy and afraid of even being alive. The lacerating enigma of Emily turning in my mind like a dark galaxy. I opened a bottle of Matahari absinthe and took a few hits. The dark galaxy fizzed green. My only friend might be awake, so I called him. Martin can't come to the phone right now, said his answering deal. He's too busy not burning out. You know what to do. Beep. Marty, it's me. Um, pick up, please. You have seven lucky seconds. I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> Duh. You now have none seconds. Call me. And that was that. My other so-called friends had demonstrated their social integrity by clicking the can't-have-my-hipster-cred menace by appearing in public with emotionally disturbed acquaintance option. So I read a lot. I watched too many movies and avoided thinking about having to find a job when my benefits ran out in eight months. I snatched an old cassette, pornography, by the cure, from my rack and slaughtered it into the deck. The cassette slid only part way, and when I yanked it out, a yellowed scrap of paper followed, flooded to the carpet like a jaundiced butterfly. The fuck? I said. Probably. Rising dread chilled me and I immediately forced myself to read the thing. 
found a way back in. 10-10-11-11-12-12-1-11-2-22-3-34-5-55. Times to watch. Others might have followed. 4. After that message, I killed about half the Matahari. I had to sleep, but the old spiders of paranoia pricked my mind with dreadful ideas. The worst among them, Emily wasn't real, had emerged from my haunted, wild unconscious. Wagner had hinted at this. Anima. The woman within all men. Your obsessions and personality disintegration needed, needed, needed to create Emily, you see. Not in a not unheard of phenomenon. Carl Jung, I believe, first identified this. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Talking major hallucinatory scenario here in the test showed I was not schizophrenic. Simply, quote, normal, upfucked. <laughs> if that was the case, well, then who wrote the messages? And, accepting the one shoved into my ancient cassette player, how did this anima make certain they'd fall into my hands? Or my hand fall onto them? Wagner knew nothing of these even though I found the first on my way back from our weekly evening council in his lavish home study. Aware of my office phobia, Wagner offered this fussy service only for my benefit. Fine with me, but I'd wager he's recording the sessions in pursuit of some arcane agenda. Why do I see a head shrinker whose past deeds are utterly reprehensible? Talk to my goddamn insurance company about that. Plus, I have my own covert agenda regarding Herr Wagner. In the early afternoon, I woke with an absinthe hangover which did nothing to improve the effect of the subsonic droning that once in a while rattled glasses in my kitchen cabinet. Eating milk in the microwave for coffee, I noticed the time. 2.22. My landline rang and I flinched. Probably Marty. No one, not counting Wagner, called here but Marty. Hello? A vast, rushing wash, as if the caller stood near an ocean or inside some cavernous structure. Hello? What the hell? After a few moments, I realized the sound was not coming from any beach. My shy caller breathed with some difficulty or affectation. Where is this? Jesus Christ. A guttural male voice. Profoundly deep. My heart thumped in my ears, agonized my head. Where is what? A low throbbing beat, quick as my heart. Then a cloggy drain sucking. Or something... My luminous music. And gone. Not even a dial tone. I stood there, dizzy, breath gushing, 
and slammed down the handset. The toilet was light years distant and I made it there in time to hunch and convulse and choke out a hot green ribbon reeking of anise and alcohol. I hugged the porcelain goddess for a few minutes and slowed my heart and breathing. Leaning over the sink, I rinsed and spat and rinsed and spat. If I got mouthwash, too much like absinthe. Cold water shocked my face, and in that gurgling swish, I heard Emily. Minus music, my luminous music, my my luminous music, 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 my luminous Emily! I twisted the tap, gazed blankly while seven grudging drips christened the scarred drain flange, which some past renter had brutalized with a screwdriver or a knife, a stigmata of rage and futility. Fright tangled my hungover nerves and I cleansed my lips and hands with gel sanitizer. No way I would run water again. Coffee saturated the kitchen air, such as it was. Pouring a cup, I could feel the subsonic tone in my heels. Muted behind the cabinet door, glasses vibrated against each other. Feigning indifference, I counted the drone's duration and sipped coffee. After 88 seconds, the assault ended. Somehow... During the intense concentration of the counting, I'd emptied my cup. The chipped relic from my college days would sit unwashed. No tap could be opened, for I feared hearing Emily's voice. If I needed to flush the toilet, I must make sure music blasted from my stereo to cover the agonizing sigh as the tank refilled. Peering into the refrigerator for bottled water, I ran numbers through my head. The awful voice called the landline at 2.22. The subsonic attack vibrated my heels and thrift store glasses for 88 seconds. That's 2.22 plus 88 equals 3.10. My cloistered, disinfected, stinking room with brown blood spatter on the ceiling in the house of despair was numbered 3.10. Then I knew. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Six. Anyone could see the pattern. Even me. 
The yellowed paper scraps were gathered, concealed, and by way of some found or stolen fountain pen, inscribed by Emily's pale, green-veined hand, the underlying oneness in all confusions. That blurted into my mind, leftovers from the old job looking for ghosts in overfed houses. Please, fuck off, Charles Fort. I regret ever reading your books. I had no idea how Emily had conspired to deliver the messages to me. The one responsible for her abduction by Wagner and his cult of atrocity. Five. Marty rang my annoying buzzer while I sat watching Chelsea Wolfe singing Feral Love arise blank black ovals like oil. The hell, man, Marty said, thumping his boots on my mat. You look like shit. <laughs> if the look fits. He dropped a brown paper grocery bag on the kitchen counter. What's up? Interest you in a Yingling beer product? Um, yeah. His green army jacket emanated fried food. How's uh, visit flying saucers? I asked as he shoved cans into the fridge. And Moody's still ogling that Russian woman who makes the killer pizza? Marty snapped one open, sipped, and nodded. Ha! <laughs> you know it. Can't blame him. Cat is hot. <laughs> I know. More legs than a bucket of chicken. We both laughed and stepped into the living room. God damn, Marty said, staring at the TV. Who's she? Chelsea Wolf. <clears throat> New to me, but I can't stop looking at her. Weird. It's like alien DNA or something. Wow. He slumped onto the couch. I felt strange him seeing my sort of Emily projection, so I killed the video and slotted a Bad Religion DVD. Marty stood, removed his reeking coat, and slung it across the couch back. So, how's it going with Herr Wagner? I sipped beer, my stomach rebelling, liquid Valium. Same Nazi, different day. I think he's secretly recording our sessions. Really? Is that not cool? I mean, don't they all? I regretted the admission. I... I don't know. If he is, I'm... I'm not crazy about it. <laughs> oh, well, hell with him. How are you? I took a good hit, clunked my beer onto the coffee table. Oh, better than last month, but going outside is still a problem. Marty smacked my knee. Hey, I know you. I do. You'll get back to the old pain-in-the-ass Weisenheimer we all know and love. Don't sweat it, man. Sure. <laughs> Fuck. Thanks for saying that. Um, you need another one? Yeah, I'll take another. You thought much about work? I mean, what you might do? I know you're not down with going back to Duke and Lab. Eh, North Carolina. Can't blame you. Back with beer as I sat. I've been thinking I might approach Moody. Seriously? Yeah, I, I, I can handle the line, and Moody sure as shit can handle a culinary institute dropout. Marty nodded, a bit aggressively. Sipped. Um, sure you can. I can see it. But uh, the, the pay... Fuck the pay. I'll get by. Marty watched Greg Graffin yank the microphone from its stand. 
Moody has high expectations. I'm sure the physical effort won't nail you. I wanted him to leave. A sensation of false hope fluttered in my chest and a depressive gravity. I'll start running again. Whatever it takes. I know he's got major turnover with the line cooks. That he does. You want me to drop a ref for you? Now it felt real. You've only been working there for, what, six months? Eight, but I'm on his good side. Ever since beating Johnny in that egg frying contest last month. Okay. Yeah, let him know I'm interested. Oh, God. Marty nodded again. Hey, you want to hit Drake's? I'll bite. Nope. No. I'm, I'm putting together resumes later. A shrug. Yeah, cool. He turned and looked at me. Rob, man, is it okay that I'm here? You can tell me anything. I won't get pissed or get all ass holiness on you. For a moment, I considered telling him about the yellowed messages and the pursuing subsonic drone that rattled my drinking glasses. No, no. It's good to see you. The others, well, you know how they feel. He slammed his beer onto the table. Fuck them. Rob, man, they are assholes of the purest sort and they always were. They come into saucers and look at me like I'm a third-class loser. They, okay. You're right. They suck. I don't miss them. That was too loud. Marty mashed his lips as if he'd said the wrong thing. Fucking Greensburg, man. You're in or you're out with the new cool. Fucking hate it. You've got a mind. I just think you might be wasting it sweating over Moody's grill. At that moment, I could have hugged Marty. Maybe. But I gotta get off my ass and do something physical and get paid for it. See? I hear the old defiant dude in there. And I like it. The physical shit will help, that I know. You need to get out of this bunker. Get used to outdoors. Nothing out there can hurt you. My turn to nod, however falsely. We drank a few more, and around midnight, Marty stood. Gotta be back for breakfast service in the old golden morning. Keep the yingies, man. They'll help with resume writing. I stood. They always do. Thanks for hanging out. Marty pulled on his jacket. You got it. I'm already thinking how fun it'll be if Moody scheduled us together. <laughs> you think of it. Bad jokes, rude comments about Billy Bakey's body odor. <laughs> we'll rock, buddy. We climbed the salt crunchy steps and stood in snowy night by Marty's dented Camry. Freezing air blessed my burning face. Rob, hey, you're gonna be fine. They dug jingling keys from a pocket, poked one into the door. I got the faith, my brother. He pulled open the door and climbed in. Thanks to the Bruschinskis, I said. He grinned, fired up the engine. No problem. Hey, you think about going out to Clem's for ribs sometime soon, eh? That'd be great. Later. Okay. And that was that. Six. 
Easy for me to say, I guess. And that was that. Now I was getting tempted in Marty's exit to start the OCD rhyming shit. A sure indicator of a troubling night, assuring me with casual ease how far away I remained from normal. This alone is an example of just how quickly you can slip from sane into the chattering gears of neuroses. Make no mistake, the passage is deceptively smooth and mercilessly definite. An hour ago you were fearful yet fine. Now, left alone, you feel insects creep across vibrating neuronic plates plucking holds between old mania and new stability. Uninvited guests rifling your brain box cooler for final drinks and something to devour. You give in, and the motherfucker will own you. Sweetest memories become curses, plots designed to seduce, love, and tear apart your soul. Because you are so special, so vile. Even a stranger's smile is there to escalate your ruin when you know it. You know. 7. Oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. I think I just decided to quit sleeping. Forever. Awoke, thrashing for breath, damp with rank sweat and heart thumping out nightmare venom. Worse, for some reason I'd crashed fully clothed on the couch. Not my usual method of approaching rest. Why was the clapdown carpet marked with a wet spot? No fucking way. I rolled off the couch and sniffed the door. Good news. Only the haunting aroma of beer has passed. No piss or puke. Only water, peppered with dirt specks. Struggling to my feet, I padded over to the workstation where I'd left my camo chunks, dropped into the chair's chronic squeak, and pulled on my sopping shoes. What the hell? The canvas was thoroughly soaked, as though I'd bathed in my converse or worn them outside, which I'd never do in winter. That's what Jesus made boots for. I pulled them off and did what the manufacturer advised for such traumatic situations. Stuffed my shoes with newspaper. This method I had found after a camping trip worked better than anything. Extracted moisture as if designed for that purpose. The news always sucked anyway. For the first time in my life, I craved a fresh, out-of-bed beer. Anything to obliterate the dreadful fucking images lingering in my mind. Dull my ringing ears. I'd have murdered for a couple of Valium. The more I turned it over, the less sure I felt. Had it been a nightmare? I'd found myself lost and cold and afraid, plodding through dense evergreens dusted with snow. An iron sky menaced the day with rushing dark clouds, and a profound sense of threat surged through me. No distant traffic could be heard, and I knew I must be deep within this alien forest. Which way to go? So far as I could tell, nothing existed but trees, sky, wind, and immense silence. 
A shriek, god-awful, tore the air, echoed for a few seconds. What the fuck? Was that a woman? Some animal? I sure as hell didn't want to ever hear it again. And it had sounded way too close. Was something coming for me? Another shriek? Jesus Christ. Something in pain. That was all too clear. My terror eased to low fright. Already lost, now I felt as if I might help someone, human or beast, from their own misery, and trotted over crisp pine needles toward what I thought was the general direction of the sound. Here, the pines gathered in crowded ranks, male beauties at least eighty or ninety feet tall, and wide as houses. The snow, bright on their branches, confused me. I did the turpentine tang of resin in the air, more real than real, searing my eyes. Something snapped behind me. I turned. A rustling, chaotic with multiple snaps like twigs, came from behind one tree cloaked in white. This sounded like two or more animals struggling. I'd better be careful. Slowing to avoid crunchy footfalls, I hunched and edged around the fat evergreen. A naked woman with long black hair stood in the snow. My shocked breath blast alerted her, and she glared with fierce green eyes like stars. Blood spattered her breasts and ran down her form, vivid against the white flesh the delta of her furred muff. Far, far worse than blood was its source. The woman gripped the neck of a plump white swan, one wing wrenched off and discarded. Its splintered nub bled and steamed at the snow. My heart raced so I could hear it. I backed away. She grinned, revealing perfect white teeth, stained red. The swan twitched, and she tore off its remaining wing with a wet crack. Emily? I managed. A blare from a horn the size of a city shattered the sky, and I woke. Eight. Spent the day trying to exercise the nightmare by cleaning the apartment putting on a pot of chili, incorporating the Trinidad scorpion peppers Marty had given me a week ago. Insanely hot, like flowery embers. And watching Vasil Gorkowski's The Empty Place, a 1962 black-and-white film about a crazy painter obsessed with a mysterious woman he sees wherever he goes. It's the most incredibly eerie movie I've ever seen, and I hate watching it. I can't stop. Probably watched it over a hundred times and I know it's every bleak grey sky, wind-haunted trees, cafe cellar, shadows. The brushstroke of the doomed artist, a dead ringer for Peter Murphy in his Bauhaus days. He never gets a clear view of the woman's face so fills the vacuum with a series of anguished paintings. 
which become more disturbing the closer he gets to completion, actually encountering the woman and cosmic insanity. The huge encyclopedia of Euro films on my paltry shelf tells me that Gorkowski, after a September 1963 arrest for assaulting a young woman in Tripoli, died of poisoning on November 22, 1963, date of the JFK assassination. He drank a tin of mineral spirits in the studio of abstract expressionist Ulrich Torson, aspirated, and choked on his vomit, rumored to be composed of partially digested photos of the woman he'd assaulted. My big book also claims Gorkowski's home editing studio was found to be stacked with film cans labeled Wan. More than 700 hours of footage the director's long-suffering wife refused to release to authorities. I burned it all, every moment of empty, black obscenity, she said. One month later, she vanished, then was never heard from again. Turns out, Juan is a German word, meaning mania or delirium. There were no cans of mineral spirits available in my newly ordered place. At 7 p.m. precisely, my kitchen floor started vibrating. The tall glasses in my well-arranged cabinet rattled. Seven o'clock can be noted in numerals as 700. The hours of Gorkowski's unseen Juan footage forever lost because of a melancholic wife, herself assigned to oblivion. Shouldn't that count for something? I'm close to giving up and getting that job on Moody's sizzling grill. 9. Just back from seeing Herr Wagner. Pills. I'm a liar. Emily is a ghost. Lost hope of my life. I will pay attention now. I will. I will obey. I will obey the black surge of time, the lies of my soul, the empty promise of Tuesdays and shadows at noon. I kneel before the altar of nothingness, the only reality. Emily never was real, you see. How could she be? It isn't allowed. Such fierce life is forbidden met only in dreams of sad, corrosive souls, in minds seething with insanity and dread and futility. I will have my say. No one controls me. No one has the right. But I see now. I see. Marty is a phantom. A telephone number to nowhere and nothing. A friend in my anguished craving for friends too good to exist. Wagner proved it, even with the police standing there in my private home. My private home. They could not hear Emily's luminous music, her taunting whisper, nor decipher the notes she wrote only from my eyes. (laughs) Grocery store receipts. (laughs) Nothing more. I was out of my mind. The professionals know this, but 
They haven't seen Emily dance through flurries of black snow, nor heard the droning approach of her sentinels in their terrible forms. Their slaughtering touch, the impossible code of their numbers, and no Marty in the phone book. <laughs> they made me look. <laughs> Oh, what happened? <laughs> what did I love? Where is she? I'm the only one. The only. I would not give her back. But it was impossible to stop the green wave. The sweeping black hurt of her sweet voice it was all I ever wanted. Just to matter. Just to be. To kiss the sweet mouth of the unknown come for me. I smelled her. I tasted her. Heard the forbidden diaries from a world beyond rationality and all that is bearable. In my room, when we were together during free time, she showed me the way. I held her sweet, soft hand. God damn it! Her tales from another place, without war and death and uncertainty, where nothing ever changed, and colossal structures webbed with emotions plucked from worlds with seas and suns. Fuck them! Fuck them! I despaired. I shoved her back into it. At the end of that dark hall, Emily opened a door I had never seen. You deserve this. She said, and opened that door. Whether the black spidery forms waiting, clothed in stars, were gods or not, I cannot say. But they wanted me, and I couldn't bear the sight of them. Is it because of my love? My obsession? that Wagner was found in a scatter of shredded dead meat. He who had murdered thousands because he couldn't find their souls. The ripper of essence, fucking eater of the hearts of starving children. <clears throat> they took her back because I could not long bear her presence. A being beyond good and evil, beyond the god fuckers in their soulless search, my true love. Too real to exist. Welcome back, said Dr. Smythe, my tense watcher. A new room, but this one has cameras. They're looking for something. But what? A visit from Marty. Hmm. Conspirators in Wagner's slaughter. I don't know. I don't know. 
I will always remember, especially when it rains, to stand at my caged window and watch for the luminous music. The black snow. <gasps> to keep it together. Hmm. Because there must be meaning to life. <laughs> Am I right? Someday. I'll find it. You've been listening to Someday I Will Find It by William Grabowski. Someday I Will Find It was written by and brought to you courtesy of William Grabowski. William Grabowski, author of nine books and over 500 short stories, articles, essays, interviews, and reviews, was born in Cleveland, Ohio. His career began with publisher David B. Silva offering a position as book reviewer slash interviewer with World Fantasy Award-winning The Horror Show magazine. The young Grabowski published interviews with Ray Bradbury, Peter Straub, Robert Block, Clive Barker, Poppy Zebright, Dennis Etchison, John Skip and Craig Spector, Dean Kunst, Elizabeth Massey, Joar Lansdale, Billy Sue Mossiman, Robert R. McCammon, and many others. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference. It would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear more lengthy tales, be sure to take a look at my audiobooks, available now on audible.com. Check out the link in the show notes for my ever-growing library of audiobooks. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the horror hill for yet another dance with darkness, I bid you good night. Sleep tight, listener. And whatever you do, if you hear a scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to Horror Hill, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, as well as a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly. 
Jason Hill, unless otherwise noted. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors, sound design, original music, and final mixing and mastering provided by Felipe Ojeda under the guidance of executive producer and director Craig Groshek. The program's logo was created by Craig Groshek, and this week's artwork provided by Omega Black, unless otherwise noted. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at horrorhill at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of the show. If you enjoyed what you've heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and Horror Hill on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or request. If you can never get enough spooky stories and can't wait until next week for more, and haven't already, be sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on YouTube for hundreds of free audio horror stories, including more performances from yours truly, and consider supporting us by becoming a patron at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com. In addition to helping us out, You'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next week with more frightening fiction to haunt your dreams. Until next time, I'm Jason Hill, and you've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast. Good evening, and sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.